0: Hey friend, how are you today? I don't mean that as a flippant beginning to this broadcast. I'm sincerely asking, how are you? There's so much going on, both in, I'm sure, your family life, in your community, in our country, in the world. But thankfully, we serve the same God that the Apostle Peter got to serve as he spoke before the multitude thousands of people at Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. I've got to ask though, again, how are you? I've noticed that as I'm going through a drive through at Wendy's or McDonald's or some such place, when I ask the cashier there, if I have an extra moment, if they leave that window open just long enough, I'll ask them, how are you folks doing in there? And normally the quick and flippant response is doing well, doing great, doing fine. But if the opportunity presents itself before I give them a gospel track, I ask them again, seriously though, how are you doing? And it's amazing. Especially with uh, rumors of wars and pandemics and all of these things going on. Just unrest, unease, and tumultuousness in the world. It's amazing to see people crack for just a moment. When I ask for the second time, really though, how are you doing? People open up a little. I've had people tell me, you know, honestly, I'm a little bit scared. Or, you know, my hours got cut here at my work, at, at my job, and hard to make ends meet. You know, uh, my mother is in ICU. I'm not able to see her right now because she's sick with this virus and all of these different answers. And so when I ask you right here and right now, how are you? I don't mean it as just a throwaway beginning to this program. I ask sincerely, how are you? I'd love to talk to you. If I could be of any help whatsoever, you can text me. I've given that number many times before, and I'll give it once again in just a moment. But what I'd like to ask you is this, beyond how are you, I'd like to ask you, who are you relying on? So many of us, we ride the coattails, and I don't say this in a bad way or in a derogatory way. We ride the coattails of a previous generation. Maybe it be our father, our mother, even a pastor that we respect greatly. And as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But so often people can fail us. Maybe they fail us by passing on into eternity. I mentioned yesterday a good friend of mine who at this moment is on death's door. And though I'm praying for him and if God gives him an extended period of time, I would be very thankful for that and for the opportunity I would have to be further invested in by this wise man's life. But sometimes people fail us morally. They fail us in their spirit. They fail us in their interactions with us. Sometimes people fail us by passing off into eternity. And when I say fail us, I just mean they're no longer around. But when I ask, how are you? And when I follow that up with this question, who are and what are you relying on? The implication and the application is this. I hope that you are relying on Jesus Christ, God eternal, wise, counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. Because if you're relying on anything else, then, friend, you will be disappointed. Speaking of passing off into eternity, that reminds me of a gospel tract that our founder, Evangelist Paul Levine, wrote many years ago. It's called, I Have Plenty of Time. Have you ever heard that excuse when presenting the gospel to someone? You try to bring them to a point of decision, Not browbeat them or cudgel them with a gospel, but just pointing out the uh, necessary time limit, the necessary expeditiousness that we should approach this question of where will we spend eternity, and you can be answered with with this answer. Oh, I have plenty of time. Well, a young lady named Mary at the age of 19, Paul Levine recounts for us in this gospel tract, said that exact same thing. I have plenty of time. This is not some fictitious anecdote. This is true. The very next evening after she told Paul Levine this, her car skidded out of control. She wrecked. Her life was ended. She may have thought she had plenty of time, but in reality, she had less than 24 hours before she would meet her maker and hear either, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me. I never knew you. Heaven or hell which one are you going to? When I ask the question, how are you doing? That's kind of what I'm talking about. Because if that's not settled, then nothing is going to go right. If you do have questions about that, if you'd like to speak to me, if you'd like to order that gospel tract, I have plenty of time. There's multiple ways to do that, but one of which is to go to our website, BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. Or you could text me directly, 309 316-7240. That number again is 309-316-7240. Now, let's turn our attention to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. We won't rehash everything we've learned to this date, but we know that Peter provides an authentic discourse. He's very real, very transparent with these Jewish people that are gathered for the Jewish holiday of Pentecost. And then we find... He gets kind of up in their face a little bit, in a manner of speaking. There's an accusation of damnation. Let's read those verses again. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 22. We see here the middle portion of one of the most powerful and impactful gospel messages that has, that has ever been preached. If you'd like the background on this, go to our archived versions of this broadcast. Just search for Bible Tracked Echoes on your favorite podcast platform. But Acts chapter 2 and verse number 22 says this. That he should be holding of it. Now there's so much doctrine that we could mine out of here, but in this accusation of damnation, immediately on the heels of the proclamation of judgment in verses 17 through 21 or thereabouts, comes an accusation and condemnation. Peter first reminded the Jews of Jesus. The apostle then retold the fact that he, Jesus, was killed and insinuated that those in the audience were part of the responsible party. All of this talk of the Holy Spirit, the moon turning to blood in the previous verses, being reminded of the man, Jesus, being told they are responsible, all of this must have had some effect on the listeners. Peter then summed up the story of Christ with the story of the resurrection. Jesus, he could not be bound by death, and Peter quickly pointed that out. He throws in their face that these Jews, these ones that are in front of him right now, they allow Jesus to be killed on trumped-up charges. And they're going to have to answer for it. We then see the assertions of David, verses number 25 through 36. Let's read the next few verses. For David speaketh concerning him, I first saw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also, my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. This is Peter speaking now, that he is both dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh, did see corruption. Pause there for just a moment. Peter transitioned from prophecies of Joel to scripture penned by David. Peter, again going to scripture that they are familiar with and they respect, quoted Psalm 16, 8-11 in defense of Christ. He then reiterated a few of God's qualities that had some bearing on his message right here and right now. Peter declared David's confidence in God's presence in David's own life. The apostle then mentioned the peace and rest that comes to those in God's care. In verse number 28 of chapter 2 of Acts, Peter pointed out the guidance and the joy that Christ brings. Peter wisely used a psalm of David to bridge the gap between himself and the Jewish listeners. In verse 29, Peter pointed out that because David was dead and buried, his words, speaking of resurrection, could not apply only to him in more eloquent words, but being also a prophet and knowing that God had solemnly sworn that a descendant of his would rule his kingdom, seeing far ahead, he talked of the resurrection of the Messiah. No trip to Hades, no stench of death. This Jesus, God raised up, and every one of us here is a witness to it. Christ is more than a promise. He is the fulfillment of promise. He prevailed and is preeminent evermore. Peter called Christ enemies a footstool. This carried the idea that the enemies could not be only cornered and cowed for a time, but fully subjected to him for now and forever. Peter wanted to make clear that Christ's triumph was not a partial success nor incomplete victory, but a conquest that changed the scope of time that affected the very fabric of heaven. Jesus, by the bruising of his heel in Genesis 3-5, crushed the serpent's head, There are more prophecies to be fulfilled, but the battle is over. The victory is won. Look at verse number 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, Until I make thy foes thy footstool, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Put yourself in the position of the Jews as they listen to this fisherman, Peter, boldly proclaim in a detailed doctrinal way, Using scriptures they knew and they respected, that they recognized, throwing it in their face, that the Christ they had crucified. Maybe he was the Christ. Maybe they began to doubt, even in their own hearts. Maybe there is some murmuring. I wonder if Peter knows what he's talking about here. It sure seems like David wasn't talking about himself. Who was he speaking about in Psalm 16? Was he speaking about a resurrection of the Messiah? Maybe you, my friend, as you're listening right now, maybe you have further questions. What I'd like to ask you to do is this. Feel free to contact me. You can text me as always, 309-316-7240. You can get a hold of us through our website, BibleTracksInc.org. Or maybe you can join us again tomorrow as we conclude this study of Acts chapter number two on the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. I can't tell you enough how much your listenership means to me. Let's finish the week strong together on this program. Have a great day for His glory. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is PO Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated.